Welcome to Refuge Fellowship. It's great to see everyone again. It's just a, a privilege to come with you, to worship with you, to study God's Word with you. You know, as I studied this week, I do really, really believe that this message is from the Holy Spirit. It just, I found it so applicable to me and my walk as we face these difficult times in our world today. So I want to start with a question. Are you loving each other, the people around you, as Jesus has loved you? I know we've all heard this question before, but I can tell you, this question this week has some real special application to most of us, especially me. Because, you know, it's been difficult as we're surrounded by our loved ones in the same house all day. So maybe some of you are a little holier than me, but I'll tell you what, it's been hard because our family dynamic has changed since this coronavirus has came, since we've been in lockdown. I'll tell you one thing that's for sure, though. We have been so blessed in this house, just blessed by the, the gift of God's mercy and God's grace. Because so far, all of us have just been able to get along. And so far, we've even enjoyed our time together. So I tell you, this is just proof. There's no doubt the Holy Spirit is in this house. The Holy Spirit's presence is residing in this house. Now, as I said that, that's not by accident. We have been very intentional as a family to make sure and pray over this house, to anoint it. We were having weekly Bible studies, weekly meetings, or even reading through a book about spiritual warfare. I tell you, we are, we're just praying, praying as a family. We're praying against Satan's plans for discord in my home. So we, we're just praying. Now, many of you, I don't know how it's going for you, but I would advise you, I would recommend you to do something similar because Satan would love to divide you and your families during this time. And I'll tell you, we can have joy. We can have joy in our homes, even as we face all this uncertainty in the world around us. But this kind of joy is only going to come with each of us abiding in Christ. So have you been in close contact with Jesus lately? Have you been abiding in Jesus lately? Is there joy in your life and in your home? Because Jesus has promised that we can have this. We can experience this joy in our homes, even in the most difficult situation. Again, this is true, and only through the Holy Spirit living in us and us living in Him daily. So we learned about this last week, that we must abide in Christ, abide in Jesus. And then if we will do this, God will produce this kind of fruit. Jesus has promised us this. and But then he didn't stop there. He instructs us that we're to love one another as he has loved us. I'll tell you, for me, I can only love in this fashion, in this way, if I am abiding in him. As I think about this love for Jesus, he loves us more than we could ever imagine. A perfect love. This type of love is one that would lay down one's life for another. Have you been laying down your life for the people in your house, in your family, this week? You know, one thing as I think about this, and I think about Christ's love, it just amazes me. It amazes me that Jesus loves me, not because of how wonderful I am, or anything I've done, or anything I haven't done. He's just, he loves me because of who he is, and he's wondrous. And I just, you know, that's all that's required of me is just to receive and abide in this love. As we obey Jesus' commands, we're always reminded about the world around us and how we live in a fallen world. We're surrounded by sin, sickness, sadness, hopelessness, anger, and so much more because Satan is a ruler of the world that we live in today. In this passage is that we're going to study, we'll see Jesus explain to us that we're going to face difficulties in this world, but no one, no one has to be without joy and no one needs to be stumbled in their faith as they face these different temptations, these different trials. So if you've got your Bibles, let's open them up to John chapter 15. Everyone got your Bibles? Give me a thumbs up if you got your Bibles and you got to open to John chapter 15. 
We're going to start in verse 18 and 19. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of this world. So it hates you. Wow. Jesus, he's, he's teaching us here. He's explaining the world's hatred. But not just explaining it. He's explaining why. Why has the world hated us? Why did it hate Jesus? The world hated Jesus so much that they crucified him. We know this. In fact, let's just take a minute and turn back to Luke chapter 23 and look at this. Luke chapter 23. Turn back in your Bible. Verse 18 through 21. Then with a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part of an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government. For murder, turn back. The people demanded Jesus be killed in the worst way they knew. But what? why did people, why did they hate Jesus so much? Let's look at it today. Do some people still hate Jesus? And what about, do they hate the followers of Jesus? Do they hate us? Do they hate you? Do we see today a hate for the things of God in the world around us? Many of the people that hate Christians today would say they had a reason. They would say that we are hypocrites. Or maybe they would say that we're judgmental. Or even condemning. Is this true? Maybe sometimes. But this is definitely the opposite of who Jesus has called each one of us to be. Why most people would, they would try to justify their hatred of God for these reasons that I just spoke of. I believe there's a, a much deeper reasons for their hate of Jesus. I think it's, the reason is, is because they don't want to be accountable for their sins. They want to be in control of their lives or their destiny themselves. They want to be God of their own lives. And they don't want to face the sins that are within themselves. Now, we will know this hatred simply for the reason that we are followers of Jesus. Take a minute, let's turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and was killed by his brother. And why didn't he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. I'll tell you though, we should never be hated for our actions as Christians. Let no one ever reject Jesus because of our testimony. We must remember, we don't belong to this world and we should never be conformed to it. Let's continue back in John. We're going to look at 20 and 21. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than its master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all of this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. Jesus is making sure that all of us, we know what to expect. That there are ones that they don't truly know God. And so they will hate us and there will be persecution. Jesus has given us this warning and he's explaining to each of us why this will happen. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, they will hate us. They rejected Jesus and they reject all that join in with Jesus. They reject from the fact that they need to turn from their sins and that there is something greater than themselves. Let's look at verse 22. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. It's very interesting how Jesus explains there is no excuse 
for lack of faith in him. In fact, he even explains that this is a sin not to have faith in Jesus. Jesus has already given all the evidence needed for everyone. In fact, let's look at John. He's going to explain that. John chapter 9, verse 41. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. He's revealed himself to the world, and no one will be able to say they didn't know about Jesus, even if it's through creation itself. Jesus has so much more to say. Let's get back into John chapter 15. Let's look at verses 23 through 25. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did. Yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in the scriptures. They hated me without a cause. Jesus further explains this, this in these three verses, that a person that hates Jesus is really guilty of hating God. Now we know, and this verse proves, these verses, they prove it again, that the only way to have eternal life is through faith in Jesus. And everyone who denies Jesus as the Messiah hates God. We also see this, that we will be hated simply for no reason, except for the fact that we each love Jesus. They will hate us, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, so they hate God in turn. You, everyone, we all experience this hate. And I'll tell you, this hate is unlike anything I've ever experienced, because they're hating God who is living in each one of us. It's a horrible feeling. But Jesus warns us, we will experience this. Turn to the right in your Bibles, back in the back a little bit, to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For this glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it is not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or praying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. These, these things that Jesus is speaking of shouldn't stumble us. In fact, we should be encouraged, really, that we belong to the Father, and it's a privilege to suffer for Jesus. Let's continue. Go back to John, verse 26 and 27. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me, because you have been given with me from the beginning of my ministry. I will, I tell you very boldly, it's hard sometimes as we face difficult trials in life. It's very difficult. I have a hard time with it. And Jesus knew this. That's why he's given this. He knew it would be hard on us. So Jesus is sharing with us that we will face hatred. We will face persecution. But then Jesus assures us we will not be alone. We have hope. We have a hope from God. Jesus has sent us the Holy Spirit. And it's through him that will give each one of us strength to endure the different trials we will face as Christians in this world. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit in these verses as an advocate. Jesus tells us that we're all to go out and share in what he has done for us. We must share the hardships that we face with others, but also we can share how we walk through them hardships and we were able to find joy even inside of this. Because we can have joy in any circumstance because Jesus is in our hearts. No matter what's happening in this crazy world around us, we can have joy. Let's continue looking at verses Verses, chapter 16 now, verses 1 through 4. I have told you these things so you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. 
This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now, so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. Jesus is concerned. He's concerned that the disciples, which I believe includes all of us today, would possibly our faith would waver due to the circumstances of the world around us. Think of the context as you look at these verses. It was only hours before Jesus would be arrested. And then right after that, the 11 of them would walk away for the time being. Think about the situation around us today. What is our situation today? Are any of us enduring hardships or difficult times? You know, as I read this and I saw this message, I really believe the Holy Spirit has ordained this message for very times such as these. Very times that we're each facing this exact week. Look at verse 2 again. Jesus is letting us know that we will face persecution in many different forms. And also letting us know that the people who are committing these acts of persecution, they will believe that they're fulfilling God's purpose. We see, I mean, you think about this, look around the world today. We see Christians all around the world being killed. I have to say, it's by Muslims, typically. But they're doing this and saying it's in God's name. It's amazing how God, Jesus saw this before it ever happened. Just think about, even, think about Apostle Paul. Let's turn to Acts chapter 22, verse 3. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city of Caesarea, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamela. As a student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and custom. I became a very, I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just as all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding them, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them into prison. Paul believed that killing Christians was honoring to God, until the very point that Jesus met him and revealed himself to him. Now, before we move on to the next verses, I want to ask you, during all the circumstances going on around you in your world, how is your faith today? How is your faith as you face the coronavirus? Are you surprised that we would face something like this? Has this caused your faith to waver? Or maybe, maybe there's even some of you out there that have even thought of abandoning your faith, asking questions like, how could God allow this? I'm gonna tell you, this text here today and other places in the Bible, Jesus told us that we will face times just like these, but he also guaranteed and gave us a promise, we're not alone. Jesus has given us the comforter, the one that will lead us into truth, the one that will lead us that we do not have to fear, the Holy Spirit who is in us, walking with us as we face life in this fallen world. Let's look at verses five through, five through seven. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus is explaining what's best for the disciples and for all of us in these verses. I thought, you know, it's obvious as you read this, that the disciples, they wouldn't understand all this for quite some time. But it's interesting, as you looked at the passages, the, the disciples, they were more concerned that Jesus was leaving them, rather than where Jesus was going or what he was going to do. Their main concern was for themselves. What, what are we going to do? Jesus knew what needed to take place, what must, what must take place so that everyone could come to know the Father. The disciples, they couldn't have possibly grasped this at the time. Now, maybe as you look at this, maybe the lesson is that we can, there's a lesson in there that we can apply to ourselves in our world today. Think about the situation around us today, the coronavirus. 
We can't possibly understand why these things happen or why God would allow this. But I ask questions as we look at it. How many people, because of this situation today, may come to know God, may, may come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? The coronavirus is very possible could lead to a huge revival. Maybe a revival like no one has ever seen before. Think about that. Let's be praying for that. All right? Let's look at verses 8 through 11. Verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the rule of this world has already been judged. The Holy Spirit, we see in this text, will testify of Jesus. He will also convict the world of its sin. Now, the greatest sin we see here is a sin of unbelief. This is a sin. A sin not believing in Jesus and believing in that he is who he said he was is a sin. This is the only unforgivable sin to deny the testimony of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. This is what is called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You can see that in Mark chapter uh, 28, verse 28. We won't turn there today. But anyways, as we look at this, the Holy Spirit will alert and convict every person of their sin and their need of a Savior. Then everyone will have an opportunity at some point to make a choice. They will either turn to Jesus or they turn against Him. You know, if you look back, as you see verse 10, the word righteousness comes up. You see that? It's a big word. Righteousness. If you look at this, it's an amazing. We are offered this through Jesus' death that we would each be seen in God's sight righteous. If we will confess we are sinners in the need of a Savior and place our faith in Jesus, we will become righteous before God. It's absolutely an amazing truth that we see. Turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith, as the scriptures say. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. As I look at this and I think about this, it's so amazing that God would see me as he sees Jesus. It's quite humbling when you think about it. Thank you. Just, I, I, just, I just have to come before Jesus and just thank him for what he's given each one of us. We should turn back to John chapter 16 and look in verse 11. You see there, he's talking about judgment. We know, as we see here and throughout the Bible, how this is all going to work out. We know that Satan has already been convicted and his eternity has already been secured. We don't have to wonder or guess. Now, as we look at this, these passages, consider this. Why was Jesus saying it's better for the Holy Spirit to come in his place? Think about that. Because now, when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus... The Holy Spirit, but in them, where Jesus before was only with them. But now Jesus has left, the Holy Spirit comes and can live within them, becoming a part of them. The Holy Spirit would indwell in them. Jesus now is living in us, and he will be with us as we face every moment in the world around us. It's amazing. Look at verse 12 through, let's close up 12 through 15. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't hear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. This statement as we read here in these scriptures was true for the disciples, but it's just as true for each of us today. Jesus has many revelations for each of us. But these revelations, they'll come in His timing, and they will come for God's glory. 
The Holy Spirit will reveal God's will for each one of us, but again, in His in His timing, not ours. You know, if you look at this, the truth that He's speaking of here, I believe this this truth that's spoken of here is the gospel message. It's the good news. And also, as we look at this, I just I want to mention a, a real important truth about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always point us and others to Jesus. And this is the example we must always follow, as the Holy Spirit will always point people to Jesus. Jesus has been sharing throughout the text how we can relate to him, and how we must abide in him. And he's taught us how we can relate to others, that we need to love others as Jesus has loved us. Jesus then he continues, as we've been studying the last few, uh, just a few weeks, now Jesus today has given us a warning what the world's reaction will be to us. They will hate you as they hated him. Jesus wants us to know what to expect. The reason he tells us is so our faith will not be wavering. Because Jesus knew we need to endure some very difficult times. So Jesus wanted to let us know what we can expect. Now today, we also, we were reminded, and we, are, we have a promise that we never have to face these times alone. That we, he's given us a helper, the advocate, a spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit to live within us. Think about that. We have that same power that defeated sin and death living within each one of us. The same power that healed the sick is living within us. The same power that stood strong during as the world hated him is living within us. The same power that was able to love the people as they placed him on the cross is living within us. Jesus is with us. We are not alone. We are not powerless. And we can have overflowing joy because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, no matter what Satan throws at us as we walk through this world. Now, before we close, I want you to turn back to John chapter 16, verse 1. Look at that for a minute. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Jesus, he's warned us. We're going to face difficult trials. He warned us that there will also be many false teachings. I want to take a minute and turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of the suffering of the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. Fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Now as we read this, I want to quote something I heard and read the other day from a Myanmar pastor. He said this, I can guarantee if your church seriously believes in Jesus, you will not get the disease, speaking of coronavirus. End quote. I'm going to tell you right now, this teaching is absolute heresy. It is teachings like this that stumble both Christians and unbelievers. This health and wealth charismatic teachings, they're not biblical. They're not from God. In fact, I believe they're even from Satan. We're going to look at that scripturally. Open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 14, verse 22. When they strengthened the believers, they encouraged them to continue in faith, remaining in them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Let's just keep looking at some other scriptures. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Let's continue. Look, turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured? You know about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Asidium, and Lyseria? But God rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ 
will suffer persecution. We see through the scriptures, God's word is very clear. We will face different hardships. We live in a fallen world. I mean, think of Jesus and all he faced. What did he face as our Lord and Savior? What's our example? Turn to Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him, and we looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. If Jesus faced this, what should we expect? What did we study? Turn back to what we studied today. Turn back to John chapter 15. Look at verse 21. What's our, what does it say? They will do all of this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. It is clear we will face many trials as followers of Jesus. But Jesus knew this. He didn't leave us alone. He provided us a helper, our advocate, the spirit of truth. Think about that. We have the resurrected Jesus living in us. Through this, we can, no matter what we face, we can have overflowing joy no matter what is happening in the world around us. I want to close with one more verse. Turn to Philippians. Philippians 4.11 Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I just thank you for joining us this message this week. And I just want to assure you that no matter what we're facing, our faith does not need to waver. Not only does it not need to waver, but we can have joy in every single situation. Not just joy, but overflowing joy. He's promised us that. Make sure and join with us next week. And Jesus is going to continue to teach us. He's going to teach us about prayer and how we can pray to the Father. God bless you guys. We're going to read 1 John 5, verses 6 through 12. If you can open up your Bibles and follow along and read with me, that would be wonderful. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his Son. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Thank you, Vicki, for reading that scripture for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you for the technology that we can still fellowship together, Lord. We just thank you for the church that you've given each one of us. Lord, I just pray that this message would be heard. It would be hear heard with open ears and open hearts, Lord. That we would hear the truth of your word. The truth that's been given to us through the Bible, Lord. And that would be our foundation that we stand on, Lord. It wouldn't be pastors or man's word, but it would be your word. So, Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would use this time. It would bless our time, Lord, and you would just protect our household. Lord, as we live together, as this lockdown will continue, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be in each of our homes, Lord, and that we could just come together as families, Lord, and worship with one another, Lord. 
that your Holy Spirit would give us joy with our families, Lord. That our faith would not waver no matter the circumstances around us. So Lord, I just praise you and I thank you. I thank you for the blessing that you've given us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I can't wait to see you next week. Have a great week.